Welcome to Kohler Mania. Thank you for joining us today. We are excited to have you. I am Tanya. And I'm Michael. And we are going to get started. We are going to do a little mini series on the Beatitudes. And it's going to be exciting because we will cover each of the Beatitudes and talk about them briefly. So let's get started. Michael, do you want to give us a summary on what is blessed mean before we get into reading the first Beatitude? Yeah, this is uh, the Beatitudes are one of the more famous aspects of Jesus's teachings of one of his more famous aspects of the Sermon of the Mount is one of his more famous Mm -hmm. sermons. And his Sermon on the Mount starts off with the Beatitudes and the Beatitudes. That word comes from the Latin for blessing. Makarios in the Greek meant blessed or happy, prosperous, to have good fortune. You know, good things happen to you when you're you're blessed and you're happy because of that. And Jesus starts off with his Sermon on the Mount to say, blessed are those who have these certain attitudes or do these certain actions. I've heard many sermons that say these should be your attitudes as a way of <laughs> thinking about the Beatitudes as, as reflecting the character of God and his attributes and the things that he does and the characters that he has. And so these are very quick, very important principles. It's found in Matthew 5, 1 through 12. It was also found in Luke 6, 20 through 23, some of the Beatitudes in Luke where Jesus probably spoke about the Beatitudes in different kind of sermons in different settings. And it was a different setting in Luke where he spoke of some of the Beatitudes, but all of the Beatitudes in order are found here in the first part of his very important sermon in the Sermon on the Mount. So we see in chapter five, starting in verse one, Jesus said, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened up his mouth and taught them saying, and he goes right into the Beatitudes and the rest of his sermon on the Mount. They're not quite sure which mountain this was. I think there's a traditional setting on the northeastern shore of Galilee that they call the Mount of Beatitudes, thinking that that might've been it might be the mountain, but I don't know if they know that for sure. But common way to, to teach, you can have they have proven that you can have thousands kind of lined up on the hill and be able to hear them. The acoustics can be pretty good on a mountain and in that setting. And uh, Jesus used that as a way to teach his very important Sermon on the Mount, which may have gone on for a really long time. And we may only have excerpts of that in Matthew 5, but the really good excerpt of that is is starting off with the very important Beatitudes. These should be your attitudes. This is the way you can reflect God's character and his attitudes and his actions uh, summed up in some very important principles. Yeah. So before we get started into reading the Beatitudes, I just want to kind of talk about how amazing it is that the Lord, he knows the inner depthness of our souls. No one can know any of that, only the Lord God. And I love that nothing's ever hidden from him. As Psalm 139, two through three says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path in my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. So it's really looking at the condition of our hearts. You know, how do we reflect on the outer appearance that others may see? And what is the condition of the heart? it's helpless, right? It needs hope. It needs life. It needs oxygen to breathe. It needs 
Jesus, that bigger hope. So as we get into reading the Beatitudes, think about those things as we're talking through this. So Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. I mean, what does that really mean? There's so many different aspects, so many teachings on this, but when we look at it, it really asks, where is our dependency? Is it our own needs? Is it our own deeds? Is it our own pride? Um, do we feel like we don't need any help or we have it all together because we've been walking with the Lord for so many years that we've got this. So now you start to see the pride kind of getting into the heart. And if you look at Proverbs 29, 23, it says one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. The prideful heart will hinder a fully surrendered heart, heart of poverty or spiritual poverty. The spiritual poverty gives us an open door to acknowledge that we are nothing without the living God, that we cannot sustain our lives ourselves, that we are completely bankrupt without Him, our Lord God. We are poor in spirit, to be poor, to be in need, to be desperate, to desire living water, to desire Christ. And it's that question, what are you seeking after? Because the world doesn't have what we need. And I love this verse. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him, says the psalmist in eight, verse three through four. Jesus cares. He wants to see that poor in spirit. And another thing to really be thinking about is like, what is the attitude of our hearts? You know, what is that condition? When we think about bankruptcy, it's, it's truly something that maybe a lot of us have not experienced or maybe some have. But when you're bankrupt here in this world, you feel like you have nothing. You're empty. It just feels shame. It feels like your own persona has just been brought down. You're in desperation. You don't, you don't have anything to give. And in that same analogy, we look at that from a bankrupt heart, a spiritual bankruptcy where we have nothing to offer. We have nothing to give. What do we offer our living God, but ourselves? Yeah. I like that concept of bankrupt spiritually that we can't do anything on our own. It's all about God and his righteousness and his covering over us that we are nothing in and of ourselves. We totally depend on him for salvation. We totally depend on Jesus and him dying on the cross so we can live with him forever. We cannot ever be good enough to get ourselves into heaven on our own righteousness because we can never be around a holy God if we have any sin on us whatsoever. So we've got to be thinking that in mind that spiritually we're bankrupt in and of ourselves, but because of Jesus and his death on the cross, he has made us now sanctified and holy and blessed when we depend on him. I also think about when it says being poor in spirit is 
thinking also living in the principle of poverty that, you know, not getting caught up in worldliness and trusting in riches. You know, first Timothy six ten says the love of money is the root of all evil. And Proverbs eleven twenty eight says he who trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive. Mm-hmm. And so if we're again, depending on the righteousness of God and we're seeking the Lord with all our heart and with all our soul and with our mind going after his kingdom with all our might, instead of trying to build our own kingdom and with worldly success, going after materialistic things. This is more of a call to more simple living. It's not that we can't have good things. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to its fullest. And you know, a loving father gives good things to his children, how much more so our Heavenly Father wants to give good things to those who trust in Him. And so God wants us to have a happy life. He wants to have a blessed life. That's all about what the Beatitudes are about. But that's not our focus is to go after worldly success and worldly things with all our might. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto us. We are blessed as a consequence of seeking the kingdom with all our heart, soul, and mind, and not going after riches and material things and material success. And, you know, I see a lot of application with this with the family as well. You know, we can leave any of our relationships in the wake, our relationship with the Lord and our relationships with our family and friends, if we are just wholeheartedly just going after building our own kingdom and our own success instead of building God's kingdom and passing on that kingdom to the next generation is our focus should be. Those are great points. And it just reminds me of the rich young ruler because he had everything, right? He had the riches and everything, but God said, come serve me, come walk with me, follow me. And he, was he broken? I mean, was he willing to be used? Obviously he couldn't give up the riches of the world. So was his heart broken? Did he have a poor spirit in his heart? And then you look at the church of Laodicea, it's lukewarm. It is a lukewarm church and they had to have so much pride in their hearts because they just weren't willing to be broken. And we see that just pride becomes the center. The rich young ruler couldn't give up those riches. And you just talked about that, Michael, like the world cannot compare to what God can give us. And to be a person that is willing to be broken in spirit, willing to be humbled and willing to allow God to work in their heart. We are poor without Christ. We're wretched without Christ and we absolutely need him. There's nothing else because he gives us salvation. And I love this verse in Philippians 2, 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you always have obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And we have to be able to 
be willing to be broken, be willing to work out our salvation, to be willing to be that surrendered heart to look deeper and allow God to break us in areas. And it may not be that comfortable, but I just love this beatitude because it stretches our faith. It makes us uncomfortable. It really talks to my own heart. You know, do I want to be poor in spirit? Yes. Why? Because it says, blessed, you're happy. God says, you're happy when you're poor in spirit. And theirs is the kingdom of God. I mean, that is just an amazing blessing to the Christians, to the believer, those who are following Christ deeply, to be able to use that within our families, wanting to be impactful to our friends, our husbands, our wives, our community, our children. Uh, we need Jesus to help us in every situation. And we can't do it when we have a prideful heart. We cannot be walking in the ways of Christ with hearts that are huge. We need to be poor in spirit. And I love this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The disciples are needy in every way. They are simply poor. They have no security, no property to call their own, no piece of earth they could call their home, no earthly community to which they might fully belong, but they also have neither spiritual power or their own, nor experience or knowledge they can refer to and which could comfort them for his sake. They have lost all that when they followed him they lost themselves and everything else, which could have made them rich. Now they are so poor, so inexperienced, so foolish that they cannot hope for anything except him who called them. That is a powerful statement. And that's where we all should be as followers of Jesus Christ, just being poor in spirit, being willing, allowing God to humble us. We live in the flesh and we have to constantly fight that battle on the daily. But to have these beatitudes really pour into our hearts, it really renews us in our walk. It helps us to keep that in the forefront of our mind. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of what they call Jesus's main audience. People were called Am Ararat, in Hebrew meaning the people of the land, that his main audience and following were more of the commoners. And he was kind of really speaking to them and speaking to their hearts in contrast to your more elite, like your religious elite that could be a little bit more self-righteous, self-centered, look how good I am. That's the difference between being poor in spirit versus being, you know, rich in success, you know, just being successful and being rich and he was really speaking to having that heart almost of as the commoner, as the main audience of, of whom he spoke about and not being self-righteous or self-centered or looking how good I am, but rather look how good God's righteousness is. Everything centered on him. Look how good he is and how focusing on him and focusing on his kingdom is what gives us blessings as well as blesses others, whereas worldly success just blesses us and if we don't share it and be generous with it, then all we all we're doing is looking out for ourselves and not pointing people to God's kingdom. 
I love that point because there are people who are wealthy that have a poor in spirit heart because they are willing to give everything that they have because they believe in God's word. They believe to walk in Christ and they'll give it in a heartbeat wisely, of course. But it's good to note that, you know, it's not just those that aren't wealthy, but those that are wealthy can also be poor in spirit. So we just wanted to give a quick mini series on the first beatitude. Uh, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit for there shall be the kingdom of God. And we just wanted to share that quick summary and hopefully you guys will enjoy that and apply it to your own hearts, your families, your friends, your children, and really consider what poor in spirit really means and the importance of applying that to your heart. So with that said, we will end this podcast and until next time. God bless. 